0: 29 and then later we'll flip to 1st Corinthians but first we'll start in Isaiah chapter 29 and we'll start with uh, verse 13 Isaiah chapter 9 verse 13 the Lord says these people come near to me these people come near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depth to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? You turn things upside down, as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, "You did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, "You know nothing?" And then we'll flip to the New Testament to First Corinthians chapter one. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 18. 1 Corinthians one, chapter, uh, uh, chapter one, verse eighteen. For the message of the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, "I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate." Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were influential, not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of, the, of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ, who has become for us wisdom, wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore it is written, Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord." And so it was with me brothers and sisters when I came to you I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Thanks,
1: Ray. All right. Let's pray as we look at God's word together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you've spoken to us. You haven't left us in the dark, but you've given us your word, uh, written down uh, and carried down to us so that we might uh, know you and know the Lord Jesus. Uh, Father, we pray as we look at your word this morning uh, that you would give us understanding, uh, that you would help us to uh, see Jesus more clearly and understand what it looks like to follow him. Uh, We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, I've been living in Taiwan for the last few years, and uh, living there, I've been learning Chinese. And um, sometimes I go on YouTube and have a look around to see what kind of videos are popular in in Chinese in Taiwan. Um, and I came across one video that was actually uh, a pastor at a church preaching. Um, and I thought, oh, this looks interesting, and I had a look, and it was pretty popular. Uh, it was a mega church, so there was a lot of music and um, smoke and that kind of thing. And this guy. Uh, was really a powerful speaker. Um, he, would, he would move around the stage and he would talk really loud. And just watching him, even when I didn't understand, I thought, whoa, this guy's really powerful. And I think that raises the question, um, what does powerful preaching look like? Uh, what does powerful evangelism and discipleship look like? Uh, what do you guys think about CPE Church? Would you say Iggy and Matt? Uh, are powerful preachers? Well, it depends what we think power is. Um, As as my family is living in Taiwan and we're trying to share the gospel there, uh, we've realized that Taiwan really is uh, a hard place to share the gospel. There's lots of very impressive spirituality and big temples in Taiwan. Um, So how can we share the gospel in ways that are powerful and effective? Because the gospel, it's really not an easy message to share with people, is it? Um, It's really hard to persuade people that a Jewish guy who died 2,000 years ago is actually the king of the world. And it's even harder to persuade people to give up everything and change their lives to follow him today. You know, in the world of sales and marketing, they would call this a really hard sell. So how can our sharing of the gospel be powerful? Um, This question of power and effectiveness is one that the church in Corinth Was really wrestling with. Uh, They had all sorts of issues in their church, and one of them was about God's power because they had experienced two very different preachers come to their church. Um, First, there was the Apostle Paul. You can read about him in Acts chapter 18. Uh, He first took the gospel to Corinth. He came to the city and he started telling them about Jesus and sharing the gospel, and he was a very simple kind of guy. Uh, He wasn't that impressive. Um, He didn't use elaborate speeches. He describes himself as being weak and timid. But over time, a church was started. And then Paul left, and along came Apollos. Now, this guy Apollos, again, you can read about him in Acts chapter 18. He was a really impressive speaker. Uh, He was eloquent. He knew the Bible. Uh, He could debate really well. And so many people in the Corinthian church, they like Apollos a whole lot more than Paul they started to think, oh, we need more guys like Apollos. Uh, Maybe that will be what will grow our church and uh, help more people know Jesus to make the gospel more impressive. And so here in 1 Corinthians, uh, the passage we're looking at this morning, Paul is addressing this question of power head on. And he tells us that the gospel is actually a foolish message for foolish people, and it comes through foolish messengers. So let's have a look. Firstly, a foolish message, verse 18. Paul says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So, this message of the cross uh, is the message about Jesus, uh, that he was God's king and he was crucified to pay the price for sin. And Paul says there are two very different ways that people respond to this message. Uh, One group of people, most people in the world, they think this message about a crucified king is foolishness. It sounds like a fairy tale. It just sounds like nonsense. But another group of people uh, think that this exact same message is powerful. And it grips their hearts. And they respond with joy and worship as they give up everything to follow this king. And Paul says these two groups of people are heading in two very different directions. One group is being saved. They're walking the path towards life and salvation. And the other group is perishing, he says. They're walking the path towards destruction. So the gospel is a foolish message. And this isn't some kind of accident. Um, This is not some kind of mistake. God just didn't do a good job, and so the gospel sounds foolish. This is actually what God planned, all the way back in the Old Testament. Um, Our first Bible reading from Isaiah chapter 29... That was God promising all the way back in the Old Testament through the prophet Isaiah that he was going to do something that would the world would think was foolish. And that's what he did. And so Paul quotes that in verse 19 and says, the way that the gospel divides people and seems foolish to some but powerful to others is exactly what God intended. I reckon um, the gospel is a little bit like a magic eye drawing or a magic eye photo. Um, I don't know if you've seen these. Uh, They were really big back in the 90s, I think. Uh, These are like stereograms, right? They're images where, um, when you look at it in 2D right now, it looks like nonsense. But if you stare at it and you move your head and you do the right thing, then your eyes will kind of see it and it will go into 3D. And you go, wow! And you'll see there's a 3D model inside the picture. And Paul was saying, I think, that the gospel is a little bit like a magic eye drawing. Um, the message of a dead king to most people in the world, they hear it and they see it in 2D and think, That's that's nothing. Uh, but to some people, they can see it in 3D and they go, Wow, that's that's amazing, that's true. So why has God done this? Why has He made the gospel a little bit veiled? Well, look at verse 20. Paul says, Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Paul, he kind of invites all the wise and powerful people of the world to step forward and ask, have they found God? No. It's the same today in our world, isn't it? Where are the Nobel Prize winners. Where are the great thinkers of our world, the sports heroes and the movie stars. Um, Our world values uh, wisdom and, and power, but it doesn't know God through all of its wisdom. And Paul says that actually God was pleased to use a foolish message to save people. That's why the Bible is always telling us not to be ashamed of the gospel. Uh, We really want to be popular and fit in and and have people like us, but the gospel is just unpopular and foolish. Look at how Paul describes the cultural pressure in verse 22. He says, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. So um, Jewish culture really wanted to see signs, impressive signs and wonders. But Jesus came riding on a donkey into Jerusalem and was crucified like a criminal. Um, Greek culture really wanted wisdom and philosophy, something that you could think deeply about and philosophize. But the message of the cross is so simple that even a child can understand it. Uh, Jesus swapped places with us. He died so that we can live. And so, there's no culture in the world where the message of the cross is popular and seems wise, it just always seems foolish. Now, what does Paul do in the face of this this cultural pressure for something more attractive and impressive? Well, he doesn't give up, he doesn't change his message. He says, We preach Jesus. And did you notice how he summarizes the message about Jesus? He doesn't say, We preach Christ risen from the dead in victory. No, he says we preach Christ, God's King, crucified, put to death like a criminal. Uh, it's such a foolish message. There's nothing impressive. Uh, you know, um, there's that there's new Marvel, wait, Thor, Marvel Thor movie out, right? You got Zeus. All these ancient Greek heroes—they've all got superpowers, right? Zeus is the lightning god. Uh, into that kind of culture, you've got Jesus. What? What is his great power and skill? He comes and dies um, you know archaeologists digging around in Rome have actually found some graffiti from the first century um, mocking Christians for their belief in this message uh, I think there's a picture of it on the PowerPoint they found this cartoon image um, carved into the rock and there's a guy um, worshipping um, another guy on a cross with a head of a donkey and uh, the caption on this piece of first century social media says, Aleximenus worships his God. In other words, the message of a crucified king sounds so silly and weak, you might as well be worshipping a donkey. Um, that's what society thought of Christians back in the first century, and it's basically what they think today, isn't it? Uh, we just prayed uh, for Andrew Thorbin and what's happened to him down in Melbourne. Uh, the world thinks he's foolish so what is it that makes the difference then Uh, what causes some people to believe the gospel and see it in 3d but others to see it as foolish well it's certainly not our achievements or our worldly status is it so verse 26 um have a look at paul's kind of polite but also insulting words he says to them brothers and sisters think of what you were when you were called Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. You know, in the city of Corinth, um, Paul's saying most of these Christians are nothing special. Most of them weren't the cream of the crop. Most of them weren't the movers and shakers in their culture. Most of them were nobodies. Um, What about Christians today? Are we any different? Uh, let's do a little survey, okay? And see what kind of people we have here this morning. Um, is anyone here noble-born? Anyone got nobility? No? I'm not sure we have such a thing in Australia. Um, has anyone here, here ever been on the cover of a major magazine? No? No one? Um, anyone here ever represented your country in the Olympics? Anything like that? No? Anyone in the top 100 of the richest people in Australia? Someone thinks he is, but he's kidding. Actually, most of us here today as well, we're nothing special. Um, Most of us in the eyes of the world, if there was a list of important people, we'd be so far down the bottom, there wouldn't even be a number. Um, We're not really particularly special. Uh, So what makes the difference? Uh, Why does the world look at the cross as foolish, but as Christians we see the cross as God's power? Well, uh, how about you guys do some of the work, all right? Um, Have a look at the passage and I chat with the person next to you for a minute about this question. All right? From these verses, uh, what causes people to see the cross as God's wisdom? And uh, Jack, I think you want to chuck it up on the slide. All right. Quick chat with the person next to you about this question. Um, look at the passage. What can you see? What makes the difference? Go. Alright. Let's um let's wrap it up there. Anyone wanna shout out some ideas? Uh, did you see any verse numbers? Any ideas? Yep. So in sorry, verse
0: and twenty eight, things
1: twenty three Yeah, yeah. So verse verse twenty four, to who to those whom God has called Um, Christ is the power of God and like you said, verse 27-28 God chose, God chose, God chose Paul just hammers this point home he says, uh, it's God's mercy now the only reason that anyone becomes a Christian is God's mercy and God, who does he like to choose? well, it's usually the weak and unimpressive people God prefers nobodies to somebodies Um, this is how God has always worked, isn't it? If you read the Bible and you look in the Old Testament, um, who, what kind of people does God choose? Well, Abraham, he was an idol-worshipping nobody, but God chose him. Uh, Israel were a nation of really unimpressive nobodies, but God chose them. And then when Jesus came, who did he spend all his time eating with and socializing with and sharing the gospel with? Well, most of the time it was nobodies, uh, the sinners and the outcasts in society. And God has done all of this, Paul says, so that, verse 29, no one can boast before him. Because to be a Christian means we have to admit that we're undeserving, that we are unworthy. Whatever our status in the eyes of the world, uh, before God, we are not wise, we are not holy, uh, we are not righteous. In fact, we're actually trapped in our sin and we need rescuing. And so Paul concludes in verse 30, he says, It is because of him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And this is why the gospel seems so foolish to the wise and influential in our world, isn't it? Uh, Because when you have status and success and fame or fortune, uh, it's really hard to accept the message that your success amounts to nothing in the eyes of God. But actually, this is how God has designed the gospel. It's a foolish message. Uh, It's for foolish people. And the good news is, that means even weak and foolish messengers can share it. Uh, Look at Paul describe himself in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Um, You know, Paul is very aware of his own abilities. He's not someone who thinks he can speak really well. Um, He he knows that he's no great speaker, like Apollos. Um, He's not a YouTube star. He's a weak kind of guy. But notice that Paul isn't worried about his lack of eloquence or wisdom. In fact, he says he resolved, he decided when he was with the Corinthians uh, to speak about one thing only. He just kept talking about Jesus and Jesus crucified. So his confidence was in God's spirit uh, to use this message to work miracles. And that's what happened when he went to Corinth, right? Uh, He went there. Many people thought he was foolish and mocked him. It wasn't like some massive revival. Uh, A lot of people thought he was foolish. But by the power of God's Spirit, many people heard the message of the cross and trusted in God's salvation. They saw the cross in 3D and they believed. Now, I think this section um, is easy to misunderstand, so let me explain what I think Paul is not saying. Um, Paul is not against using persuasion, like trying to persuade people. I mean, that's what he does in most of his letters. He tries to persuade people, right? And Paul is not against Changing his culture to get to know people. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says he wants to be all things to all people um, so that they might believe in Jesus. And Paul is not against speaking clearly to be understood. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he hammers home that when we're in church, Christians should speak clearly so that we can understand. And he's not against reason or evidence either. If you read 1 Corinthians 15, Paul uses reason and logic to explain that because Jesus rose from the dead, Christians can be confident that we will rise from the dead too. So Paul does all of these things. And so Paul can't be saying that he kind of wanders around yelling out, Jesus is Lord, and just expects people to get zapped and believe the gospel. It's not some kind of magic spell. But I think Paul is saying the power of the gospel doesn't rely on the persuasiveness of the person sharing it. Uh, the, cross, the message of the cross is only powerful because God works. So yes, God can work through Apollos uh, and his speaking of the gospel, but God can work just as powerfully through Paul and his very timid speaking of the gospel. So this is Paul's confidence that the gospel is powerful even through weak messengers. Friends, isn't this good news? Uh, every time I read this description of Paul, I get encouraged. Uh, it's not all about me. Um, People believing the gospel or not doesn't depend on us and our eloquence. Uh, God can use even the most weak and unimpressive people amongst us, uh, the quiet people, if we find ways to faithfully talk about Jesus. Um, I was visiting the Toowoomba Christian student group this week uh, and there was one girl in the group there and she was very quiet, um, didn't speak much and not not a kind of bold person Um, But as I talked with her, uh, we realized actually she's been quietly sharing the gospel with her friends and inviting them along and and, uh, challenging her Christian friends to be more godly. Uh, Even though she's timid and weak and not maybe impressive, uh, actually God is working through her. So let me finish with uh, three points for us to think about. Um, Firstly, for those of us who are Christians, uh, how do we share the gospel in ways that are powerful Well, whether it's in Taiwan or Australia, I think it's the same. Uh, God's plan for a world that knows Jesus is weak messengers speaking the weak message about Jesus uh, to weak people. Um, Yes, we do all we can to understand people's culture. Uh, Yes, we need to speak words that people can understand. And yes, we use reason and logic. But the gospel message is spiritual. Uh, Someone can hear everything, but they still need God's spirit to work through the message to give them faith and cause them to see the gospel in 3D and go, wow. And so secondly, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, um, are you holding back on trusting the gospel because it seems foolish? Can you see how that's a really bad reason? Uh, Yes, people might make fun of you for being a Christian, but this is the only path to life and peace with God. And if you reject the gospel, well, the alternative is just not worth it. Um, church here has life explored courses. You can come along and learn more and understand the gospel. Uh, sign up uh, or talk to someone. We'd love to chat. And then thirdly, I just want to finish by saying, we've seen the gospel is really foolish in this passage today, but that's just temporary. Now one day the whole world will see clearly that the gospel is not foolish and realize their mistake. You know, on the final day when all the people are lined up, all the people who've rejected the gospel as foolish and those who've trusted and obeyed it, um, then the cross won't seem so foolish anymore. Uh, Everyone will know that this message is God's power and wisdom. So let's look forward to that day uh, and be bold as we speak this foolish message today. Let's pray. Father, we know that every one of us here today is uh, unworthy, uh, based on our own lives, to come before you. We know that we are all sinful and broken. Uh, We know that we have nothing we can boast in before you. And so we thank you so much for the cross. We thank you that Jesus was crucified for our sin and rebellion. We thank you that he was raised back from dead to give us new life. And we thank you that we can now be your children And call you our Father. Uh, God, this message of the cross is so simple and foolish sounding, but this is your power and wisdom and the only hope for our broken world. So, Lord, give us confidence uh, to speak about Jesus to those around us, uh, whether we are naturally confident people or naturally quiet or or timid. Uh, Please give us courage, Lord, even when we're fearful and trembling. And we pray that you would pour out your Spirit. And open people's eyes so that they might see the gospel in 3D as your power and wisdom. As we long and wait for a world that knows Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.